Hello and welcome to the Learn Medical Art podcast where we share our tips, tricks and advice on the medical illustration and animation industry. I'm Emily Holden, a medical illustrator and animator. And I'm Anna Campbell, also a medical illustrator and animator. You can find our show notes and resources from this episode and more educational content such as industry interviews, tutorials and more at www.learnmedical.art. So Annie, what are we going to discuss today? Well, today, Emily, we wanted to talk about how we can build our online presence effectively. Now, there are tons of resources out there giving lots of advice on building a social media empire. But today we wanted to sit down and go through things that are perhaps a little bit more specific to the medical illustration and scientific illustration world or the illustration world in general. That sounds great. So I think it's safe to say that many artists feel quite uncomfortable talking about their work. I'm definitely included in in that bracket. Uh, To a lot of people, especially more introverted artists, it feels like you're kind of yelling at the world, oh, look at me, like, look what I've done. It feels quite uncomfortable to some people, a little bit braggy and doesn't sit right. Definitely. And and I have to say, I, I hate talking about myself, especially to people I don't know very well. And over the past couple of years, I've managed to kind of steer conversations away from me and focus conversations on whoever I'm chatting with instead. And I've really honed this skill really, really well. Um, I'll ask about their lives, their interests and what they love to do. And I'll just happily continue asking questions just so that the focus is away from me. <laughs> so when it comes to like sharing things about my life or even celebrating small wins about my career, it feels weird to me. It feels, it feels kind of like icky. Did you do you ever do you ever find like that? Yeah, I definitely I don't know why. And I'm sure like anyone who's like, oh, but you've done this and that. And I'm like, yes, I have. But um, I think I think you end up just building up all these kind of secret things that you've done or these secret little wins that you've had along the way and you don't actually tell people about it. And then people like get quite excited when they uncover the truth. <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, I know that I do that to you all the time. I'm like, oh, but you've done this and you've done that. And um, and likewise, I'm the same with you. I'm like, Emily, they flew you out and did, you did this. It was amazing. <laughs> I think the key is trying to look at how we can do self-promotion in a way that feels okay. So it's not, it's not, if it's not in your, if it's not in your heart to be the kind of person who goes out and goes, oh, I've achieved this, 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 this. How can you actually do it in a way that feels more kind of genuine to yourself? (laughs) Yes, definitely. And I think maybe I'll share a little about my experience and hopefully that will change the mindset shift of not wanting to share or promote yourself. It's just, um, it's not really boasting, you know, and sometimes, yes, you might have fraudy feelings about the work that you do and you might think that, okay, I'm just going to avoid telling people about the work that I do. It's just too big headed or something like that. If you just continue to hone your craft and do good work, maybe other people will do the talking for you and and opportunities would just find you. And that was definitely a mindset that I had. And it was me sitting in my living room, waiting for someone just to barge in and go, it's you. It's you. We've been looking for all this time. We need your help and your skills to help us create this beautiful stuff. Nobody ever barged into my living room and asked me that. (laughs) Nobody ever magically found me. And and the thing was, it's like nobody was is going to be your voice, you know, or be your advocate and tell the world how great you are. And why should they? It's not their job. And I guess that's when I slowly realized that I'm the only person who can be my own advocate for me and myself. Uh, you, you have friends and stuff that will push you and elevate you. But in terms of progressing your own career, you kind of have to shout out to the world about the things that you've done. And you have to share about the things that you're, you're most proud of and the work that you're most proud of and share the knowledge that you've learned. And that's when I realized that building an online presence was really, really important if I wanted to build a career doing what I loved and and get paid for it as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. It could be for anyone, either those fraudy feelings or being unconfident in your work that stops people promoting themselves and they're just sitting there struggling to get work because they're just not visible. No one can find them. Yeah. And I think the number one thing that helps a lot of illustrators get work is having that online presence, whether it's just a social media or having a good website or LinkedIn profile or things like that. It's just that first kind of jump off, like, right, put your face out there or put your work out there, let people find you and don't be scared of it. Yeah. Don't be scared of it. Embrace that. So social media sites like um, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, these are great places to put a professional profile up and start showcasing your work, you know, link back to your portfolio website so that people can always have a place to see more of your work and get in touch with you because that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? To have people get in touch with you. That's the main call to action of having an online presence is to get people to contact you, whether or not it's for a job or a project or even just to make a connection. And, and that if we focus on that as the main reason of having an online presence, that kind of makes everything else fall to the wayside. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I think a lot of people have their own preferences as well on which social media platform they like the most. I've got my preference. You probably got yours as well, but I think it's <laughs> It's good just to kind of spread yourself out over all of them because just your favorite's Instagram doesn't mean that your potential employer is going to find you on that or they might actually be more of a Twitter user or like LinkedIn. So it's just like just try and keep everything consistent throughout all the social media places that you're posting stuff and hopefully you're expanding yourself out to a larger audience to be able to find you. So there are a lot of free resources out there on how to use social media sites to help you build an online presence. So if you search for Facebook or Instagram or Twitter business, you probably get a lot of useful resources and articles about how to get started. YouTube is also a really incredibly powerful tool to learn about different marketing techniques. And we regularly look there to uh, look for how-to guides on things like marketing. Yeah, it's not like these are um, hidden kind of industry secrets at all. So many people are so willing to share and write articles about this. You can pick up really useful tips just for like company of one. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's definitely worth going out and finding it. So Emily, we've talked about how easy and free it is to create an online presence for yourself. Now the next step is standing out from the crowd amongst all of the other illustrators and animators out there. We're including general illustration and animation. And in order to do that, it's important to talk about the work that you do in a really easy to understand manner. And this positions you as someone who knows what they're doing and it makes you come across as a professional, not just someone who's faffing around with Photoshop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. If you want to get paid for the type of work that you love to do, then you need to present yourself professionally. And as you said, present yourself as an expert. Start writing about the work that you do and explain your process and design thinking behind your work. This is really interesting for potential clients, but also for peers in in the field to look at. I know that they're my favorite type of posts on social media. It's like, oh, you get to see like how someone's actually created what they've done or a little bit more detail about the project that we're working on, not just image and title. Like that's it. It's, It's more kind of like getting that personal story behind the work as well. And I think that's kind of how you start getting more of that engagement with social media and stuff. Yeah, actually to go along that thought, posting for peers really helps in terms of referrals. So um, mm-hmm. we've had other illustrators, like when, when we were both working freelance, say, hey, do you want to work on this project with me? I saw your post on Instagram and you have a very similar process to me. I think we could work well together and do you want to do this project? And, and that's really great. And you can also refer other people as well. And it's all about building that network, right? To get jobs. Yeah, definitely. 
definitely. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip because I think it reminds me of like it's the kind of the way that you use social media is I've never used it specifically to be like, hi clients, come hire me. It's always <laughs> been more of like a more sharing the process, trying to just connect with people and like I guess with the same with um wherever I've posted stuff. It has just been to try and like connect with peers, uh, teach other people how to do things, boost your presence, and then clients will be able to find you a little bit easier because you have a bit more of an established name, I guess. I think what you did, you're a great case example, Emily, because you like to teach people things. You use YouTube as like a platform to do tutorials that you would want yourself. Mm -hmm. And through that, it's opened an opportunity for you to have your own LinkedIn course where they flew you out to LA and you, you now have your own LinkedIn course and stuff like that. So even if it's not your aim when you first started out, it was like yeah. a stepping stone towards that. Yeah, it wasn't at all my aim whatsoever. <laughs> it was great. It was a great outcome in the end. I would never set out like, oh, if I do this this equals this. It was like, no, I was like, I'm going to put this on YouTube. I, I don't think anyone's going to follow me or like it, um, but put it up anyway, because it might help like one person. I think most people who work in a creative industry, we do watch a lot of tutorials and stuff. And I'm like, someone's really gone out their way to make that. It's so kind of them. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So I was like, there's nothing really for the medical illustration community really to do with the 3D animation stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to start posting stuff up and hopefully help people. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, Just doing things like that and being active in that just generated yeah job opportunities and more kind of uh, experience I guess <laughs> yeah definitely I think that was great you follow your passion and it, something really great came out of it and we'll put a link to the show note in the show notes um, of your course in LinkedIn so that other people can check it out as well when we're talking about a work especially for the medical illustration industry our work usually solves difficult challenges right so it's useful mm. for our audience to learn how we approach these challenges by creating visuals to solve them if you're able to explain that in a super simple way this really does position you as an expert above all other general illustrators and animators that don't have training in medical illustration and that's what makes us so unique it's the best part <laughs> i think that it's important for people to remember that the medical illustration field is small though it is slowly growing and many companies who would really like to use our skills might not actually know that this field exists so it's important for us to actually educate people and get our faces out there like do things like have interviews or like do like guest articles on people's websites or things like that just to alert people this field exists if you actually want to get really technical accurate scientific or medical illustrations there are people who properly specialize in that out there it'll be a different experience coming to someone who's trained in this field than it would be to someone who's from more general illustration background I guess definitely as like all of us together what you're doing by doing this you're helping contribute to growth of our industry this is the industry that you want to be part of right so why not do that One thing I want to talk about when presenting ourselves, and it's just looking at the way that you actually do present yourself online and the impression that other people will have of you. And this is all down really to the way that you write your content, unless you're doing like a YouTube channel or something like that, when it's kind of face to face. I think one thing we need to consider when we're looking at written stuff is the tone of voice that you're using. It could happen that if you come from like a very sciencey or academic background, you've become accustomed to writing up very formal documents like reports, research studies, etc. So obviously this would warrant a very formal tone. And sometimes, for example, this could leak into your social media posts or blog articles or things like that. And I think the thing is that if you're trying to reach a larger audience, 
I find it can act like a big barrier if I'm feeling like it doesn't feel accessible. I might understand it, but if I'm looking at someone who's just coming in, either someone who's aspiring to like work in the field or if it's a potential client who's maybe an agency for a scientific pharmaceutical company or something and they don't actually know the scientific lingo, then maybe like that's another barrier that you're putting up. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that I like most about people that the people that I follow anyway is that authentic tone of voice. Like, you know, that if you're reading their stuff online, it actually sounds as if they were saying it. I think one of the things you need to think about when you're writing something is thinking, would I, would I like to read this myself? If you were sitting at home reading of an evening for pleasure, you're scrolling through stuff. Does your personality come across? Would you enjoy reading this? Are you feeling positive after it or are you feeling confused and maybe a bit put off and not quite sure? what's going on? Absolutely. And I think I I felt I needed to be incredibly formal when I was first starting out, you know, partly because I was unsure about my abilities. I felt like I needed to compensate that with my science knowledge, but writing those kind of posts or articles in such a formal and dry tone was was not a very enjoyable thing to do. It felt like a literature review. And and I can't imagine anyone enjoying reading it either, let alone getting any value from it. If it feels like a really hard struggle to write it, then it's, it's probably not going right. <laughs> I think like probably the most successful thing is like if you can feel that someone's enjoying doing it, then you're like, oh, this is great. I'm enjoying it. If you're sitting there struggling and changing words going, oh, that's not the perfect word and it's painstaking, then it's it's not really genuine or authentic because you're not saying it as if you were just saying it from how you actually are feeling mm-hmm. or thinking. Yeah, definitely. Personally for me, I enjoy reading posts that are clear, lighthearted and the author's personality shines through. A little joke here and there won't go amiss and <laughs> where, yeah, where appropriate <laughs> just because just because they have a lighter friendly tone does not mean that they have less value to the actual content so when I'm writing that's the tone I always try and adopt I want to attract like-minded people. Yes, definitely. And it's important to remember who your audience is now on social media. Now that includes your fans, any potential clients, and also any potential collaborators as well. The great thing about the way that we work is we can work with any organization in the world. For us personally, we want to collaborate with like-minded companies and people. Tone, as I've said before, is really important to making your content accessible. A key thing you need to consider is your audience and who do you want to be looking at your work. I think one thing you need to consider is making it accessible to the widest audience. I know there have been high school students who have come across my website and maybe trying to decide on what they want to do with their career. That's nice. And if they want to pursue this as a potential path. So I definitely don't want to scare them off with a lot of scientific jargon with lots of dense descriptions or going deep into the science behind every single thing I post because it might be interesting for some, but a lot of the time it's probably just a bit scary and you maybe think, I don't know these things, so I can't do this job. <laughs> and of course not. Like who talks like a science robot, you know? You want to, you want to encourage them and give them something to look forward to if they're interested in entering the field of medical illustration. Not scare yeah. them away with your science no. chat. <laughs> <laughs> I like my science chat. <laughs> this is great. Let's do the podcast like this from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Something that you need to consider on the internet, your audience is worldwide. So there may mm. be people who are actually reading this and English is not their first language. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you really need to be looking at the way that you're phrasing stuff. By using overcomplicated language, you're putting an, a really unnecessary barrier up to people. And um, they may even be using like their browsers, like translation tool to read your content or things like that. 
So is your content understandable enough so that Google Translate or another translating service could work out what you're saying? And if not, maybe you need Mm. to take it down a level, like look at that kind of high school student level of understanding and just maybe stick around that. Yeah, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Some people might argue Mm -hmm. and say like, wouldn't you want to showcase your scientific knowledge by writing your posts and articles as if they were research papers? Or is there a benefit to making things sound more complicated than they need to be? I feel like sometimes the work kind of speaks for itself. And if you want to provide like a deeper dive into what it is, if your work has been published in like a scientific paper or something, you could maybe like, if if you're interested in the science part, here's the full paper if Mm. that's what you want to look at. But I don't feel like it should be front and center of what it is. That's just my own opinion. Some people will probably completely disagree with me and be like, no, we're professional scientific professionals and we need to present ourselves in that way. But I always think it will speak through my work rather than through my own social media. And that's it. So I'm going to add something onto that mm-hmm. though. So we've actually had clients that have asked us to create two assets for them of the same concept, one for general public and one for that deeper dive science kind of story Mm -hmm. and usually the deeper dive one it's like something they don't usually show everyone or like they won't show to their investors they're not going to show as part of their PR launch or anything like that it's always the widest reaching audience illustration or visual that they tend to use the most and Mm -hmm. the deeper dive scientific one is one that they kind of keep if someone keeps questioning them about the science (laughs) you know the science of it which is then they tack on the research papers and stuff like that so I mean if our clients in the industry are, they're asking for this, then we should mm-hmm. probably be showcasing, hey, we can do this kind of messaging or like simplicity in terms of simplifying the science down so that everyone can just quickly understand it. I think it's good to sound smart. I think we all would like to feel like we're, as a professional, we can, we are smart and we know what we're talking about. And I think this is something that I grew quite accustomed to coming from the kind of art student background, which was adding unnecessary flowery language to kind of beef up the justifications for what I created. I always have that in the back of my mind. I don't want to put up a barrier to people understanding what, what I'm doing. There's no need. And especially as scientific communicators, we are communicating. So it needs to be clear and accessible. It's, it's the whole part of the job. Whether you're writing a blog post or doing an interview, it's pointless if people do not know what you're talking about. One thing that I learned from a really talented medical copywriter was to mm-hmm. write things so that an educated 10-year-old can understand. Or some people have said that present information in a way that even your granny can understand it. It's such a useful tip when you're writing for a general public audience. One tip uh, for posting content is be yourself. It's so easy. Just be yourself and don't try and copy someone else's personality or their kind of magical combination of social media wizardry. What they're doing is exactly it's working. Look at all the engagement they're getting. I must make myself a cookie cutter and do exactly as they're doing. And I think we see this across lots of different creative sectors where one artist copies another. It's kind of like waterfall effect. And then suddenly everyone's stuff starts looking quite similar. People's websites all look kind Kind of the same or mm. people the way people are like writing their instagram descriptions all sounds kind of the same and when you're doing that you're kind of like copying the original person's personality and like the way that they present their self so i think it can be pretty boring if everyone is interacting in the same way or i feel like i've read something before i'm like okay that's fine i think people will notice if people aren't being authentic or sometimes you'll know someone and you'll have had conversations with them and then suddenly you'll read stuff that you post online and you're like 
It's not the same person. They would never say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, definitely. For me, it doesn't feel right. And I, I definitely did it. Like I 100% did it. Oh, yeah. And I me think too. that's why I found posting on social media really hard for ages. I still don't really post on it that much. I think it's always just get so stressed out about what people are going to think. Am I saying that right? I've had used all possible hashtags and it would just like prevent me from actually doing it because I was over analyzing it. Yeah. If you ever feel like this is in your voice when you're writing content, then it probably isn't. So stay true to yourself and just put your voice out there. You'll find some sort of audience that resonates with you and they'll follow you and want to work with you because they like you for you. Speaking of letting your voice shine, social media is all too easy to slip in a mean remark or comment here and there. And maybe people do it because they think others will get a laugh. Don't do that. Don't be mean to others, especially in an industry as small as ours. People talk and word spreads really easily. We've heard horror stories about really toxic clients even being really aggressive on social media and people just tend to avoid interacting with them and word kind of spreads and people do like to look out for each other, which is lovely, but don't Mm. be that person that people are uh, running away from. Yeah, just don't be a dick. (laughs) Yeah, be nice. (laughs) In conclusion, be Be nice. nice. We've kind of covered how to write about your work and the free social media platforms you can use to establish an online presence, but that's not the end of it. Your online presence can be easily forgotten. So don't forget to keep it updated and post consistently so that you can stay on people's radars. Some art directors and companies might not have a project for you now, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to have one for you later down the line. And they will reach out for artists or freelancers who are on their radar. They probably won't remember if they saw a great post from like a year ago. The eyes will have been wiped with all the new fresh content from lovely work that's been posted by people regularly. If you're looking for work, got to keep your face popping up or keep your work popping up. Definitely. Otherwise you'll be very quickly forgotten. It can also be so easy to let social media take over your life. We don't want you to be glued to your phone every day. You actually need time to create the work. So there are tools for scheduling posts so that you can just spend one day a month scheduling your content and roll it out for that following month or even two months. And you don't have to worry about logging in every day to post. So basically work smarter and use automation tools to your advantage. Our company uses tools like Later to automatically post on Instagram. We have a paid option which allows us to schedule on multiple channels, but they do have a free option as well and it's worth checking out. Facebook also has a scheduling tool if you want to schedule posts on a company page. And another tool we'd like to use is If This Then That, which sets up an automated chain reaction every time we post something and repeats the posts on our other social media sites like Tumblr or Pinterest. And there's a lot of free tools out there. So it's worth doing some digging to help make your self-promotion and marketing easier. I think one thing that I've always struggled with is that kind of creation of my work and trying not to be a perfectionist. So using tools like this are quite good because you can kind of like look at everything objectively from afar and have it all scheduled out in a kind of story. And it's really great to use those kind of tools for that. The thing with posting on social media, I think that has been my biggest barrier is the don't be a perfectionist. (laughs) I think there are some people who want to post online, but become really precious about what they're posting. And sometimes they wait until they have like a final, final 
final version 25 mm. final 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 right, piece right, of work <laughs> <laughs> and it could be a couple of months between posts that's me <laughs> and sometimes it defeats the purpose of actually getting on people's radar so that they reach out for your work for an example if it's a new graduate who's applying for a job with our company specifically we're going to check their social media to see if they're actively posting new pieces of work and we basically do this because we want to know whether or not they're continuing to learn and hone their skills even after they've graduated if it's been a couple of months or a year or two years since they've graduated and they've not posted anything new in that time, then we kind of question whether or not they will be able to have enough of the skills to keep up. You know, they might be a little bit rusty in some things like digital illustration. And if you throw them in a deep end, they're going to start to fail. These are one of the smaller things uh, that we look for when we're looking at candidates and their social media profile. Employers want to see artists who are motivated and actively creating content. So this means that they're continuing to up their game and hone their craft and they're working hard to break into the industry. If they're not creating content on their own, then it's going to be a lot of work for an employer to try and bring that person up to speed, like you said already, and then get them production ready fast enough to be able to start producing and making money for that company. And sometimes it's just not worth the investment for an employer to hire someone who doesn't seem to have that motivation. And also, Emily, keeping yourself updated online, we mentioned before, opens up new opportunities for you. And we talked about the example of you doing a LinkedIn course, but also Mm -hmm. another great example was recently you were interviewed by the School of Motion podcast for the work that you've done on your YouTube channel and all in your social media accounts. And that's like fantastic promotion for you. You know, it's absolutely wonderful. And it's all because you were there constantly on people's radar showing and just being passionate and motivated about the work that you do. So what kind of work should you be posting, basically? Like if you're struggling on positioning yourself as a self-brand and you're just trying to figure out what kind of stuff you should put out to the world, our basic thing is just post stuff that you want to share and refine it from there. And you can test which posts are more successful in terms of engagement and you just post the most successful stuff each time. Don't just post final pieces of work. Post work in progress pieces, your sketch notes, you know, all of your ideations, your concept sketches. Maybe post a little bit about the equipment that you use so people like to see that your desk set up and home set up and stuff like that I love that part oh mm. I love that oh, oh. my goodness like Pinterest board is filled with that I love it yeah yeah. <laughs> you like the books that you like to read and stuff mm. like that make sure it's curated towards the work that you do maybe don't post stuff about the food that you're eating that day that could be kept for a more personal page <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely yeah. I think the thing about it is that it doesn't need to permanently be there forever as well after a few years you can go back and you can go and archive a lot of old posts that are maybe if you've evolved and like moved on in your skills, like the more content you have, the more that you can then kind of go back and like curate all of your content. Like I went back and archived loads of my old stuff just because it didn't reflect my skills now. But if Mm -hmm. I hadn't posted that, then I wouldn't have gone anywhere. (laughs) I wouldn't have had any social media presence whatsoever. It's like, just keep posting. You're at the level of skills you have now is the best level of skill you've ever had. So always keep posting because you're always going to be showing your best work that's the top of your skill level at the moment. It might not be what you dream of and it may in your head still not be good enough or whatever, but that shouldn't matter. Just keep posting. It's the only yeah. way that you can reflect and grow in your skills, I think anyway. And it's kind of interesting for us to see someone who like maybe just started out a couple of years ago and we scroll down their timeline and it's like, oh, wow, you can see yeah. how quickly they've improved throughout the yeah, years. Yeah, like doing that. That's great. Mm-hmm. 
Another thing that I think is really great is using Instagram stories or Facebook stories, mainly Instagram stories. I think they're a really good way of like keeping people engaged whilst you're in the midst of making stuff and maybe not regularly posting on your feed, but kind of having that community and audience engagement just on a regular basis is, I think, really valuable. It's always going to be at the top of people's pages with your little icon, your profile picture. I know that a lot of people that I follow and and I think, oh, they're doing really well. If I actually go onto their feed, I'm like, actually, they're not posting that much, but they're always on my mind because I'm always watching their stories every day or like a couple of times a week. And maybe they're doing like audience Q&As, like, oh, ask me about my process or, oh, which do you prefer? Do you like this color palette or this color palette? Just like little things just to kind of make people feel like they've got a little part in the work as well I guess or they can yes. actually like get a bit of contact without having to go as personal as sending like a direct message yes because <laughs> that's quite intense definitely <laughs> I quite, quite enjoyed that and there's been a couple of times like oh I haven't seen this person in a long time I wonder what they're doing you know and I'll, I'll actively go and try and find them At the end of all of this, I think it's really important to remember to link all of your social media accounts back to your website and stuff. We we have (laughs) talked so much about social media, but always remember what your end goal is. Link it back to your portfolio, link it back to that contacts page. Make sure your contact details are always there. And that is the main aim Mm -hmm. for people to get in touch with you and and stuff like that. There's a lot of tools that help you do that as well, like the kind of LinkedIn profile. So you can get your your like link tree URL and you can Mm -hmm. like set up all your important links and you can have that set up on your Instagram so that click on your URL link in your Instagram and then suddenly they've got a whole option of different places they can find you or certain blog posts that you want to fly people to or YouTube channel or stuff. It's a nice way to cross promote on everything. I think that's just the key. Definitely. And you want to be able to find so many different ways of revenue streams as well. So you've got a shop, put it on there on your link tree. If you're a service-based industry, put it on there. At this day and age, we really, there's so many options for you to, to make money as an artist. Another thing, in addition to posting consistently, is engaging with your audience and community. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what that looks like, Emily? I think the main thing is that if you're posting stuff up, I just think it's important. If people do leave you a comment, just really try and respond, try and get back to them. I know it can be quite hard to keep on track, especially if you've got quite a lot of comments or messages to go through. But I think I think that's the best way to do it. It's, it's all about back and forth between you and your audience as well. So if you are doing a Q&A, like, oh, ask me anything, and then you're not answering half the questions, then it's kind of defeats the purpose. Or if someone's asked you a question directly, like, oh, how did you do this? Just even a really quick, I'd use this and that. Actually, there's quite a few tutorials on YouTube or something. If you're interested for looking a little bit more on how to do this, then that's probably the best place. I think just actually talking back and not just shouting into into the abyss of the internet and not listening to what's coming back at you. <laughs> so you're not just saying, look at me, but don't talk to me kind of thing, right? Yeah, I think that's maybe that's the way of getting around that uncomfortable feeling of feeling like you're just going around and strutting around, like showing off all your work. It's like, no, actually engaging or like feeling, changing mm-hmm. it so that you feel like you're helping people mm-hmm. or you're making friends or you're just like having a conversation. It's quite nice. <laughs> I think that's really great because that is basically relationship building and as introverted mm-hmm. artists as we are we're not ones to be like sell 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 we're more the softer approach and that is a great soft sales approach it's all about building relationships right mm-hmm. definitely in terms of like a technical standpoint um being engaged on your posts and, and interacting and commenting and responding to comments is really helped for the algorithm so that in terms of marketing engagement is key 
you want people mm-hmm. to be engaged, you want people to comment and that you need to comment on that. And that makes it, it means that your posts get seen by more people. We want it to be seen by more art directors or potential clients, right? So if you're not responding to the comments on your post, then people are not going to be commenting or asking questions anymore. So your engagement is going to go down massively. So just make sure you keep that engagement up. Emily, I think it's probably about time to wrap up this conversation. Um, do you want to summarize some actionable steps for everyone and what we talked about today? Yes, I would. <laughs> That'd be lovely. Um, so number one is self-promotion, stepping out of your comfort zone, saying goodbye to those fraudy feelings and just doing it, getting out there. Number two is build an online presence. It's free. There's lots of different tools out there. All of the channels that you can get yourself on don't cost anything to set up. So just go and do it. Number three is establish yourself as an expert in the fields, present yourself professionally, but then also look at things like number four, tone. (laughs) Is what you're putting up easy to understand? How do you want to be seen? Do you want to be seen friendly? Do you be seen as very formal? Think about that. And then number six, authenticity. Make sure that it just feels authentic to you. If you are more of a formal person, then go ahead, be formal. If you're more of a jokey, fun, lighthearted person, then let your voice shine through as well. Number seven, don't be nasty. Be nice. (laughs) That's not what the note says, but don't be naughty. Be nice. Uh, Number eight, be consistent. Keep posting up all of your work because it'll keep you on everyone's radars. Number nine is create the work that you post, but don't be a perfectionist. And then number 10 is engage with your audience. Don't leave questions unanswered. Build your audience, grow your following. It's just the best way to do it. And number 11 is remember the main goal of why you have a social media channel. It might be different for many different people, but for some people it might just be to grow the audience, find clients, maybe generate some revenue from the stuff that you are posting online. Who knows? But I think that's enough for people to get started, Annie. And thanks everyone for tuning in to our Learn Medical Art podcast. You can find our show notes and resources from this episode on our website, www.learnmedical.art. Give us a follow on social media at Learn Medical Art. And if you want to get in touch, you can reach us via our website or send us a direct message. If you like this episode, go ahead, leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Stay tuned for our next episode where we share more tips, tricks and advice on working in the medical illustration and animation industry. 